Conversations That Matter podcast. I'm your host, John Harris, today to talk about the threat totalitarianism poses to Christian societies in the West. To help me do it, I have with me Reverend Tobias Riemenschneider, who authored, helped author, the Frankfurt Declaration. If you haven't heard of it, you're going to want to know more about it, and that's what we get into today. It is a stand, it represents a stand, that many are taking in the West, uh, Christians in particular, to try to hedge against this threat. And so we're going to outline the threat, we're going to give examples, we're going to talk about ways Christians should be thinking about it, because there's going to be more and more pressure coming from the state as time continues to pass in the next few years, I'm sure. So uh, one thing I wanted to let you all know about before we get into it is the fall book sale is still underway, September 16th through the 21st, so we only have uh, another day <laughs> of this, not too much longer. And Social Justice Goes to Church is a one of the books on sale for 11.50, and there's only six copies left. So if you want that book, you're going to want to get on it. Uh, Christianity and Social Justice, Religions and Conflict, I still have a number of copies of that, so if you're interested... For eleven fifty, you get an autographed copy. You're going to want to check it out. And shipping is flat. It is $6 no matter how many books you order, uh, only through the 21st. So uh, take advantage of that while you can. And without further ado, here is Pastor Riemann Schneider. It's good to talk about the subject we're going to talk about today, which is, in the United States at least, they call it the separation of church and state. Uh, we now are fight facing, in our own country, but across the West, questions about how far should that separation be? Should there be a, an actual uh, connection between church and state insofar as the government is accountable to God? And this is something our founders in the United States believe, but it's something re the reformers believed, and Christian civilization has really assumed that for thousands of years. But today, the secular state is challenging these assumptions. And so I have with us today someone, a uh, very special guest to bring to you on this particular subject, and he is Pastor Riemann Schneider, who is going to share with you about an effort that he's making in his own country, but this has been taking root across the West now, uh, of trying to clarify the state's role and the church's role. Uh, welcome, Pastor Riemann Schneider. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. All right, so you are the author of the Frankfurt Declaration, at least one of the authors, and I want to just to start off with get your story, because this is something that a lot of prominent Reformed theologians in the United States have signed, and more people are signing every day, and it looks like a very good statement, but I wanted to hear from you. What brought this about? Was it the situation with the virus? Was it something else? Um, tell me a little bit about yourself and about this document. Yes. Um, well, you know, it, 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 was, um, it was triggered by the virus, the response of the governments to the virus, but I think it, it, it has a broad application because um, I believe what we have seen uh, with the virus, the reaction of the governments is only um, only one symptom of the bigger problem you know, that lies behind that. But um, so to, to give you some information how this this work started, um, it, it, I wasn't the one who started it, but um, I was contacted by a brother from the UK, from England, and he was assembling a group of international, main, mainly pastors, um, because he had the idea of... of um, of forming a declaration as an official response of the church to the COVID measures. And um, so I think we met for the first time in April, I believe, uh, in 2021, and um, started working on this idea. And um, it, 
well, it, it soon became clear that um, that the group did not well did not go in, in the same direction. Everyone there, so we decided to to split, and um, three of of the pastors decided to to form a new group and work on this declaration together. And this is this small group of three pastors who um, who actually formed the Frankfurt Declaration. Uh, it included me, but also a, a pastor from South Africa, a former uh, former theology professor, and a pastor from Fra from France, who is a an, an American missionary of, of forty years to France. So this group of these three pastors, we met over over almost one and a half years to um, to work on this declaration. Well, I mean, it, it is a well put together and succinct it's short but it's a well put together thorough declaration and you told me before we started recording that you're uh, actually a lawyer or were a lawyer before you became a pastor did that contribute to your understanding of this issue yes i believe so i mean it, it is a theological a, a theological statement not a a um not really a law statement yeah but um but the understanding of how um how the government, how the state uh, works, and and should should interact with the other um, spheres there are of spheres of government, um, because you know um, I, I believe it's it's very similar in the U.S. but also in Germany that the German Constitution um, it basically has all these principles which are derived from the Bible, so. Um, uh, so it helped to understand how the uh, how our um, constitution here in Germany um, views the state and citizen relationship, state church relationship. So this helps, um, and especially it is, it is especially helpful because um, these things are derived from the Bible. Uh, they were introduced into the constitution by Christians, or at least by men who uh, had a Christian worldview. Now, I know you're the pastor of the Evangelical Reformed Baptist Church of Frankfurt, if anyone's interested in checking uh, your church out, uh, who might be listening in Germany. But uh, obviously, Germany, with a Lutheran heritage, uh, has a there's a Christian um, cultural understanding that at least used to exist. And obviously, I'm not German. I have a little German in me going back a long ways, but I, I wouldn't have any uh, familiarity with the current situation there. So when you said that your constitution has... Uh, Christian principles. I'm a little curious about that. Uh, what? Uh, when was your constitution written? Where was the influence of Christianity coming from that made its way into your constitution, just out of curiosity? Yeah. So um, the constitution we have was uh, written after World War II. Um, we got a new constitution there. And um, it, it, it in the preamble, it even refers to God. So it, it's clear that the, the framers of the Constitution, they wanted to have this um, this reference to God. And they said that this is done in, in um, where regarding our responsibility we have to God. So um, and you can see these Christian principles. For example, we also have um, we call them fundamental rights. So basically, I believe that's basically what you would maybe call in your constitution these unalienable rights. So we believe right. that they are God-given rights, which uh, should not be taken away by the state. Um, and uh, there is a um, there is also the recognition that church and state should be separated. Even though we have a special situation in Germany where state and church uh, is somewhat 
conflated here, but um, this general principle is still there. Well, you have so, a state church, right? Pardon? Do you have yeah. a state church? Yeah. Yes, we have exactly. We have a state church. So, um, but it's clear that the, that the state is not to um, is not to have, have has no saying in what the church um, should believe or how it should handle its own um, uh, it, its own affairs. So the state is even though it, we have a state church, the state still does not tell the church what to believe, what to do. Um, but those are separate spheres. Right. And that, of course, that was a, a problem back in the 1930s and 40s when the, the state did overstep its boundaries in Germany and start to dictate to the church. So you've kind of um, corrected that in Germany. But now we're in a situation, at least in the last few years, where the government has overstepped its boundaries. Uh, would you care to maybe like, talk to me about the situations or the scenario that you saw that contributed to your concern uh, about the government overstepping its boundaries? Yes. Um, I mean, I believe it is. it was um, very, very much the same in, in most of the Western world. Um, I think it was maybe especially bad in Germany and it's still continuing. So I, I believe we are one of the last countries which uh, is still talking about new restrictions for the coming winter and so on. So, oh, wow. Um, yeah, so we are really bad, but... Um, <laughs> It um, it was very similar to the reaction of most uh, states in the Western world. So we had um, regarding the church, um, the the church services ha have been prohibited for I'm not certain six, seven, eight weeks, completely prohibited. Yeah, which uh, as far as I know never happened before. And then there were when church services were allowed uh, again, there were restrictions. For example, singing was forbidden for I believe seven months or so. No one was allowed to sing in church. Um, uh, you were not allowed to to let, let all people in, but only a certain amount of people. Yeah, so you had to, have to had to uh, ensure that everyone could distance themselves. You were required to wear masks. Were were at some point even required to to have a, a negative test result. So there were several in, interferences. Um, you were also required to um, to collect and store the personal data of everyone who attended. So names, addresses, and so on, and um, and, and to, to give it to the state if they re require so. So um, there were quite some interference uh, in the uh, um, from this by the state, um, but not only the church, but of course also um, just the normal life of people. So um, you are still not allowed to, to go on a bus or a train without wearing a mask and- um, Wow. Yeah, and and as only very few countries had that, but we were really even um, discussing uh, having a um, vaccine mandate for the entire population, and uh, it almost went through. So it is it is really you know God really did something to prevent that because it was totally clear that everyone wanted it, and it still didn't pass. So um, we're very grateful that God uh, prevented that. But we were even talking about things like that. Um, so there, 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 there were much of state um, overreach into the other spheres. You were not allowed to visit your dying mother in the hospital or anything like that. So, um, wow. And that's what reflect what's reflected also in the declaration. Well, let's talk about the declaration a little bit uh, because I think we can all relate to some extent to the circumstances that you were just referring to. 
it sounds like you're suffering in a more um, extreme form than maybe some of us in the United States. But you uh, start off with this statement um, that uh, you, you have four or five articles rather here. And the first is that God, the creator as sovereign lawgiver and judge. And I like the way this is formed because you have the affirmation and then, and then the denial throughout these five articles. And um, why don't we just go through each one of them briefly? You have a lot of scriptures here as well. And so I know we can't um, look at all of it. But the first one, you say God is the uh, sovereign lawgiver and judge. So we affirm that the triune God uh, is the personal creator of all things and ultimate lawgiver for all human conduct. And then you say, and it goes on, and then you say in the denial that um, we deny that impersonal matter is the final reality behind all things and belief that human conduct is merely a biological or sociological phenomenon. Now, in the United States right now, in I'd say many areas, there still is somewhat of a reverence for God, especially in the what we call the Bible Belt. So people will kind of acknowledge that God exists. You'll walk into a courtroom, it'll say, in God we trust. But functionally speaking, we are definitely in... I think a situation where the government operates on this um, sociological basis that everything's subjective according to social groups. I mean, that's the problem we've had with critical race theory. Uh, is that what you were thinking of or what kinds of things were you thinking of when you wrote this uh, critical race theory, Dar Darwinism? Uh, what philosophies yes. do you see that are threats? Yes, right. So surely Darwinism. Um, so that the belief that um, everything is basically mere coincidence. And um, we wanted to make clear that um, th that what, what we do matters and there, there is a morality. And this morality is not, is not, is not something which changes um, from people group to people group or from time to time. Yeah? So, but um, this is an unchangeable morality because it is given by God and it is rooted in his, in his unchangeable character. So what we see today is that many states in, in, in the Western world, at least, um, they try to redefine morality. You know, what, what has been called evil for thousands of years now is called good and should be, in fact, celebrated by many. Yeah, this goes also into homosexuality and transgenderism and so on. So we wanted to make clear, no, there is a standard, there is a morality which does not change. And this is actually a higher morality than any government could, um, could, could, could try to establish. So if, if government says, this is now good, but God says that is, that is evil, or the other way around, um, God has the last word. So he is, um, he is the ultimate lawgiver. And we have to, um, we have to, um, you know, we have to um, listen to him more. We have to, um, to do what he says, because at the end, he will judge us. Governments can also judge us, but, but only uh, in, in this world. But ultimately, God will judge us and will judge us, judge, judge us for eternity. So um, that was, um, important for us um, to make clear that there is a higher authority than any state and that ultimately we are responsible and have to obey um, this higher authority, have to obey God rather than than any man or any state. Yeah. And it's not an advocation of, I think, what often 
in our country at least gets termed the- theocratic or theocracy. It's not you're not saying that the church has dominion over the state or that Christians can disregard what the state says. You're just saying that the state is answerable before God for what it does, just like the churches and every individual as well. Exactly. Um, Exactly. And then in the second article, it says God is the source of truth and the role of science. Um, I know science has been a big topic with, of course, uh, you just mentioned, actually, the the treatments that were going to be uh, possibly mandated that thankfully were not. Um, do you are you afraid or do you uh, are you concerned that in the Western world and in Germany, there is a trust that is being given to to quote unquote science or science so-called that should be given to god because i've seen this in the united states yes for, for sure there there is a trust given to the state um because everyone believes what the state said and do. Okay. our chancellor even yeah. says well we we give we give you the truth so uh, she even said the truth comes from, from the state so don't listen to anyone else there is a belief in the state but also a belief in science, which is undue. Yeah, um, we call that scientism. Mm. So you basically believe that science is the answer to everything. We, we saw that during COVID, um, we had that in Germany, and you had it also with Dr. Fauci. Yeah, we we had also a, um, a virologist here in Germany. Um, there was only one expert basically who got to say what is what is to do what we have to do now. And he is focusing only on the virus and what might be effective or, or not effective to uh, to fight this virus. Um, but that is not enough. So politics, governing a whole society, a whole country is more than fighting a virus. So all the, the ethical implications, um, the, gover- the, the, you know, the, the decisions of governments have on, on, on the lives of everyone, um, they cannot be assessed just by science. Right. So that is basically our um, our concern here, um, and also that science has been has been turned on its on it on its head because science normally is you hear different voices, different experts, and you have a scientific debate and you use scientific method. And during this COVID crisis, uh, we were just told there is a scientific consensus. This is what science says, and everyone who who argued against this, even though he was he has a great reputation for decades. Um, he, he just was cancelled. So um, it wasn't even real science we, we dealt with, yeah, but um, right. some distortion of science. Yeah. Uh, we, you, you talk about in Article 3, and I think this is in, incredibly interesting, especially for an American audience, uh, a number of threats that you see. Uh, you talk about the state's mandating medical decisions for its citizens, criminalizing enforced uh, segregation, vocational disempowerment, and any other deprivation. But you, if you keep going, you talk about something that I don't think is talked about a lot in the United States. So I'm curious if it's talked about in Germany, and that's transhumanism. Mm-hmm. And so I, I love the fact that you're getting out ahead of this, because I know what that is, because I've read the World Economic Forums, uh, some of their material on this. What is transhumanism for those who might not know? And why did you feel compelled to include that in a statement about mankind being made in the image of God? Right. So, um, so be- because we believe that uh, man is made in the image of God, we believe that um, that every every human being has um, dignity, inherent dignity, and this means uh, um, that we have all certain inalienable God-given rights and freedoms, and they should not be infringed on by the state. 
And this, in, this for example, includes the right to personal, so to medical self-determination. So um, the state has no right to tell its citizens which uh, medical procedures um, they should have performed. Uh, um, so, and, and, and transhumanism is um, basically, basically the idea to improve humans, yeah, to expand our, um, our uh, natural limits uh, by incorporating um, technology, by using technology. Um, and and we, we've seen that, uh, I'm not sure if that was a thing in, in the States, but it was here in Europe. Um, I believe Sweden was very much into that and, and others as well, that people uh, even during the COVID crisis began to have chips implanted in, in, in the into the hands, um, which functioned as vaccine passports and, and so on. Um, the, the problem with this, well, there are more than one. It's more than one problem. But of course, if, if God says, "I, I may," I, as God says, "I made man in my image," and He says, uh, "It is, it is very good." But now we come and say, "Well, it, it's not so very good. We could improve that. We could make it better by adding technology." And um, this is rebellion against God. I don't believe that anything good will come out of that. Um, and and also it it opens the door for a total um, surveillance and control over human beings. Once you have a chip, well, we already have that with with smartphones. Yeah, it already starts there. But um, once you you have technology implanted in, into your own body, um, the state and, and maybe also others can trace uh, your every move and um, basically know everything about you. Um, and that that even happened in Germany. The, the the German government during COVID, they developed an app for for the smart for smartphones, which tracked you the entire time, and also tracked when you came close to another person, and and they knew if that person was probably infected, and so they knew okay you came close to a prob probably infected person, so now you're also under surveillance. So all this started already. It, it reminds it reminds me of. Um, of Big Brother, of uh, Orwell's 1984, and that's basically happening right now. And um, we don't believe that 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 um, that that is really something which 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 goes along with with us being made in the image and, and of God and and having dignity and having certain rights and freedoms. Now, that that's very helpful to put a fine point on it, though, because I'm anticipating as transhumanism becomes more normalized and um, more of a threat, you're going to have Christians, or at least people who call themselves that, advocating for it and trying to say, well, it's just like getting a prosthetic if you lose an arm, or it's like getting an operation uh, when you your heart is in heart failure. And I'm wondering if we can make a distinction here, because it the distinction in my mind is that transhumanism seems to want to merge um, human cognition human uh, thinking, and it wants to improve upon what God has already made. It's not fixing something that would be as the result of uh, a sinful um, curse. It would be to to look at the foundational design and say, we can do better. And am I, I mean, do you understand what I'm saying? And is that, do you agree with it? Or would you differentiate those two things in a different way? No, I, I I totally agree. Okay, I believe uh, there's nothing bad with trying to to fix someone who who has an injury, who has an illness. Um, 
that, that is one thing, and I don't have a problem with that. But but exactly as you said, taking the image of God, taking man and saying, we can improve that, even though there is not, not an illness or an injury, but just thinking, I can we can improve on that. We can maybe improve our thinking and uh, by adding technology. I believe that is the, the, the important distinction. Right. So, I mean, I've, I've heard these uh, theories or these anticipatory thoughts that some of these globalists have where they'll say, we can create... Uh, we, we can put chips in people's heads, right? Where they can, we improve their memory bank. But what it does is it introduces now a, um, as you said, a surveillance feature. Uh, if you can connect man's brain to a wireless network or something like that, then you are now uh, under, your thoughts are not private or your own necessarily. That's the fear, at least I sense, that the government is now going to be the one surveilling not just your um, your actions, but also your very thoughts, which is something that was left to the realm of God and should be left to the realm of just God. God knows your thoughts. So um, it's another example of the state want, wanting at least to become like God. And, yes. um, and I'm sure you're probably farther along with that in Europe than probably in the United States, but it's definitely, we're right behind you. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> in many of these things. So I, I think this is important. I'm glad that you put this here. There's a number of Bible verses on man being made in the image of God to um, ponder. The fourth article is that God given mandates and limits of authority. So you say we affirm all earthly authorities derive their authority from God and must give a just account. And therefore you deny totalitarian ideal ideologies of governments, which do not recognize the boundaries of their authority and usurp the authority delegated by God to the church or the family. So this fear of totalitarianism, legitimate fear, is certainly present. And I'm wondering, in, in Germany, do you see, um, what what ideology, do you have a name for it there? That is it just totalitarianism? Or, or what is it that people are subscribing to if it's not a Christian understanding of these divisions? Yeah, Um so I, at least I would say that is that is totalitarianism. Okay. You could also say sta say statism, statism. Uh, because it is the state who is absolute, yeah, the state who who reigns as a totalitarian tyrant. Um, and we have this problem in Germany. We had we had that for a long time because you may or may not know we are one of the only countries in in the Western world uh, where it is not allowed to homeschool. So you have oh, to send yes. your children to, to the government school. Um, you can have private schools, you can have Christian schools, but you're not allowed to keep them and, and homeschool them. So, um, and and one of, well, our, our current um, uh, chancellor, uh, a few years ago, he wasn't chancellor then, but he even said that he wants the state to have authority over the children's beds. So that's how he expressed it, yeah. So he wants the state to 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 have the children, to get the children, mm. and to indoctrinate them with whatever the state thinks is is the right ideology at this moment. Wow. And um, and and I, I believe that that we see this more and more. You know, you have these ideologies which a state, um, you know, if if the state is not Christian anymore, not not at, at least influenced by Christianity, um, the state will find something else to worship. And um, he, he make it, it makes himself God, but it also finds other ideologies. And I think think we see that very clearly. Um, for example, with with um, homosexuality and transgenderism, um, 
there are things which um, which are now elevated to the rank of religion. You're not allowed mm-hmm. to say anything against it. Otherwise, you'll be canceled or or even uh, even have to go to jail, which also happened in Germany um, with a pastor here. Um, uh, so he didn't have to go to jail, but he had to had to pay a high fine uh, for saying something biblical against uh, homosexuality. So the state has its own ideology, and it cannot accept that someone uh, within his realms, within his uh, borders, thinks otherwise. And so they want to get the children very early and want to indoctrinate them with their ideology, and they want to cancel everyone who says otherwise. Wow. And we believe that this is this fun, this totalitarianism, which crosses all borders, because the state has nothing to say uh, with regard to the family or what the family believes, what parents teach their children, or what every citizen believes. Wow. Yeah, I, I had uh, forgotten about that, that in Germany, homeschooling is illegal. We had a famous case a few years ago where I know a family was trying to immigrate to the United States seeking asylum and it was rejected. I think that was during the Obama administration, actually. And um, so uh, the last article is Christ is head of the church. And this seems to be the crux of the issue, uh, who, at least with the situation that we just uh, with with the virus and everything, who gets to make the rules for the church? And of course, you say we affirm that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ belongs to him at the cost of his life. And that it is accountable to him alone in all matters of faith and practice. And you deny that any other authority is jurisdiction over the church to regulate any of its affairs in matters of faith and practice or to regulate its activities to a non-essential status, which I think is just phrased very well. Oftentimes, the objection that's brought up is that, well, what about a building inspection? Or what about if uh, someone breaks the law and seeks asylum in a church? Uh, shouldn't the state authorities go in? To, and, and of course, we believe that <laughs> that's the government serving in their in their role uh, to punish evil. Um, and uh, I mean, even in a building inspection, I think I can see in the Old Testament some laws concerning negligence. But w- you, the way you phrased it was that it's own affairs in the matters of faith and practice. And that's exactly what happened during the last few years. Um, did you, out of curiosity, I mean, did you have to shut your church down? Uh, what did, how did you navigate that? Yes. So we were required to shut down for, I don't remember, I think six, six or seven weeks in the beginning of, of, uh, of the uh, COVID crisis and in 2020. Um, we don't have an, old, an own church building, so we, we couldn't enter uh, the, the building we, we uh, rented. So uh, we couldn't meet as a church, but we still met in, in the houses. So this was also illegal. We're not allowed to leave your house as, uh, only for for what is really necessary for life, yeah? Well, we said um, meeting on, uh, and worshiping together is necessary, so uh, we decided to to meet in secret in, in the houses. And um, and that, that was really an, um, an exciting time because for the first time, many of us really broke the law and um, and you never know what happens, you know, if the neighbor sees you, if the neighbor calls the police. Um, so we were not able to worship as, as a whole church for six, seven weeks, but we never stopped meeting and, and worshiping uh, and well, in the circumstances that, that were possible. Yeah, well, I think a lot of people in the United States did the very same thing you're talking about. And it feels surreal in 2020, at that point, 2020, to be to have to do that. But um, I respect you for doing it. Now, um, on the website, I'm just looking right now at the signers, you have a uh, 4,600 signers so far, more than that, actually. 
And um, people like John MacArthur have signed it. Vody Bauckham. Uh, there's a, a number of names here. Phil Johnson. Doug Wilson signed it. Dr. James White. I mean, you, you have a few prominent, more prominent uh, people in the more reformed movement in the United States who have signed it. And anyone, though, can can sign it if they go to frankfurtdeclaration.com. And so you have uh, not just in English, but you have it in German. It looks like you have it in, I don't know, eight different languages, which yep. is... We have Chinese even. Yeah, uh, you, you didn't translate all that, did you? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I, did, I did the, the, the German translation, but... Um, no, what is great, you know, people read this and they contact us and say, I want to translate that into Dutch or I, I made a wow. translation into Chinese. So people are doing that and they are more in, in, in the working right now. So um, we only took care of, of, I think, three or four translations and the rest was done by other other people uh, who sent it to us. That's great. I'm so glad, though, uh, this is going out there. Uh, so I encourage people to go and sign up. What else can they do? Is there anything else they need to do uh, other than sign it? Well, um, it would be great if if the the declaration um, would be shared with other with others. If it would get um, some more attention, there was already some some attention. But I think what is um, interesting with this declaration, you, you have other great declarations. Uh, for example, the Nashville Statement or. Um, the, the social gospel and um, um, so um, but those were mainly American declarations and this is really very international so yes it, um, I, I got got many um, feed a lot, lot of feedback from Australia or uh, even from Africa or the UK so um, this is very international but it would be great if, if it would be shared with others if others sign it as well Um yeah. If someone wants to do a translation, that would be great. Yeah, we will <laughs> publish publish it. <laughs> well, what I'm hoping is people will hear about this on this podcast and sign it. But if your pastor hasn't heard of it, let him know. And um, I know my pastor signed this uh, and I, I haven't yet. I will. Um, but I think uh, this can probably get into some other realms that it hasn't. For instance, uh, Pentecostals, perhaps. I know that many Pentecostals in the United States took a stand against the government tyranny but uh, I don't think they probably a lot of them know about this. So if you're in the audience and you maybe you're a Pentecostal or a charismatic or uh, a traditional Baptist or whatever denomination you're in, uh, let your your pastors know about this. And uh, maybe we can get it into a, a wider audience. But you already have some momentum going here. So um, I do appreciate it. And uh, I'll le leave you the final word if you have any final thoughts or encouragement that you want to give. Yeah, I think. Um... There's maybe a, a, a small funny story I, I could add. Um, you know, there was some some media coverage also in the states. For example, the Daily Wire um, uh, reported on it, and, and also some other articles and podcasts. And at least two or three times, um, I heard people uh, talking or writing about. Um, how interesting it, it is that some people did not sign it and others have and. Um, I have to say that is just um, due to um, to the context I have, because this was not a declaration like like most declarations where many people, maybe maybe hundreds of pastors, come together and and sign it officially and um, and and have a wide coverage. But um, it was basically just me contacting my friends in the U.S. and around the world 
asking um, whether they would sign it. So um, it's quite funny to see that people um, yeah, talk about this and then asking themselves, why did he not sign, he not sign? Well, it's it just because I, I could just contact the people I know. And, um, and, and therefore, I would be really happy if, 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 if you would help make this uh, spread even wider. And maybe the last word of encouragement, I would, I would refer to how our declaration, the Frankfurt Declaration ends, um, because it, it, um, it, it is also meant as a, as a strength, strengthening and, and, um, yeah, for, for Christians. So we know that um, that the times ahead might be difficult. Yeah, maybe COVID is not is not uh, the last problem we had on this border. So um, uh, it it yeah, we want to encourage Christians to um, to be really to have really a biblical worldview to understand these things more biblically, and also to act, to act courageously and faithfully. And um, this this includes helping others. Um, there are there are many in Germany who lost their jobs because they didn't get get the vaccine or, or something like that. So we want um, Christians to stand together and and uh, help each other, and but also to be just faithful. And if the state says you have to do this, but this would mean to disobey God, we have to be faithful and and obey God. And that's basically yeah. what we want to do with this declaration: encourage our brothers and sisters to to be faithful, stand together, and um, and obey God rather than men. I love it. Well, uh, Pastor Riemann Schneider, I appreciate you joining me and being willing to talk about it. God bless you and bless your efforts, and I hope more people will sign. Thank you very much. God bless. Bye now. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.